Welcome to the Elmo and Doris Different Podcast. You're listening to the Elmo Adore Difference, a podcast that gets people from all walks of life to share powerful ideas and spread good vibes. My name's Elmo Adore Jr. and I'm a young Filipino passionate about the individuality every person can bring to the table. And I'm talking to unique people about how they see the world and how to make a difference. Joshua Ryan Ganghe. And so we call him, yeah, we call him, his nickname is Ganji. And he is a, uh, he studies Bachelor of Science in Entertainment and Multimedia Computing in West Visayas State University. And he is most in filmmaking, photography, and has won local awards. Also, uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna mention he was an ex of somebody someone on this show as well but uh, just kidding anyways um Ganj uh how how's life bro uh good evening Elmo uh, thanks for having me on this show uh life is life is great uh well for my family it is in our place we get to spend some time with each other it's been yeah it's so been, um Uh, An let's okay jump, jump into it. I, I want to ask you about uh, being homeschooled because um, uh, I I think it's really uh, a factor in how a person grows up. For example, being uh, close by, gu- closely guided by your parents uh, in elementary, being homeschooled, and uh, there's also a factor where you were not able to uh, go to public schools where most of the childhood of Filipino uh, well citizens occur uh, how, how do you think uh, homeschooling has formed you as an individual well to start off uh, other people their first question their first question is uh, who were your friends like if you're homeschooled you're around your brother your mother your father and your dogs Who did you play tag with? Who did you play hide and seek with? And the short answer is uh, no one. Uh, I had my family. I had my brother. I had my dogs. And being in homeschool is such a unique experience. Uh, how do I put this? There's so many things I want to say, actually. Uh, let's start off with, with, with your social life. You grow up. You wake up. You eat. And then after you eat, you don't change. Straight out of bed, you start learning. That differs from normal school, right? Like for you, what would be your your normal elementary? Well, I'd wake up 6 a.m., take a bath, uh, wait for my turn, and I uh, hope I can reach bre- eat eat breakfast before seven uh, o'clock and not be late to school every day. <laughs> yeah, that's the normal routine. A race to the showers. So, uh, what do you look forward most? Going to school, what's the first thing you look forward to? Yeah, well, the, the first thing you look forward to is the afternoon playtime where uh, as a child, you're, you're, uh, you're given the opportunity to play with a lot of different children uh, in the afternoon. And so like uh, when it, time, it reaches like 3 a.m., uh, 3 p.m., 
uh, you're you're you go all out and just just play with uh, with hundreds of kids, all in the play. The play. Yeah, yeah, in friends. Uh, do you ever have the FOMO, like fear of missing out? Like, oh, all all the kids in my neighborhood are playing with each other, going to public school, and uh, my parents are trying to force me to stay in at home, just uh, like in prison or something like that. Uh, do you ever feel that way? Uh, definitely at first. Oh, at first, um, you get that a lot. Uh, you don't have any friends. You go biking by yourself. You play with your, you play by yourself or by with your brother, and you think, what are these other kids doing my age? They're out playing, maybe going to internet shops, and then I'm here at home. But then you live past it. You grow older, and then you grow older. You realize how good it was for you, uh, being around your parents, being around your brother. The bonds that make that builds with your family are bonds that you won't ever get with your friends. All that time that you and playing tag with your friends. You could spend that time in homeschool, making, strengthening your bond with your actual family, with your blood, with your family by blood. And that's something I think a lot of people, well, not really a lot of people, but something that the usual, usual household lacks, I think, where their parents leave the entire day, they come home in the evening, and they have that short, that short, span of time where they're together but the parents are tired the children are tired also it builds a different bond with your family with your parents and with your brother they're there they can guide you uh they they teach you step by step there's no external factors there are no children from other families there are no bad influences there are no bad influences from other children which i've seen i've seen that effect actually on my well, I don't think people know this, but my cousins. I have cousins of my age, and I see the effect that other children have on them. The things they talk about, the things, how they act. I'm not saying that homeschool children are better, because obviously there's that social disconnect. Like, it's, it's a stereotype that homeschool children aren't very sociable. And to a point that is true, usually especially with groups, you don't know where you are, you don't know where you stand. But then it also enforces the idea of having, homeschool actually enforces the idea of having smaller, a smaller, uh, a smaller group of friends, more valuable friends, more of quality over quantity. Instead of having... I want to ask you, like, right, yeah, we I agree that there are pros and cons, for example. Um, but, the, but the real question is, uh, should a child have uh, too much safeguards uh, when growing up? Because uh, for me, it, it's essential to be able to uh, explore your, on your own and face dangers, real-life dangers, even as a child. Because uh, it's not just that you learn to identify and learn from your mistakes or from all this, uh, for, from any danger, that from risk-taking and exploring uh, dangerous places. Uh, yeah, there is also the pros of safety, where uh, you you're you're for for sure you're going to grow up to be someone who is a good citizen uh, without any bad influence. Like for example, uh, pornography, which uh, which is sad to say, it's really prevalent in elementary schools nowadays with all their cell phones. 
yeah so um yeah for uh, me yes. well yeah yeah even back yeah. then without the yeah, cell phones but, uh, for me uh, for example <laughs> i grew up in a very dangerous way because uh i play with knives i play with i i go to a forest while when I, when i was in a elementary we we hunt spiders uh well, we do all kinds of dangerous things like we bike for like miles away but i guess it 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 was a little dangerous but uh, i think it's also part of yeah yeah you know like well so we had no shortage of going to gimaras and bike that balance that you have to maintain you notice that a lot of homeschool kids who don't go out very often a little bit of me also but then having a good father a role a father role model having a good father that's where that portion of the homeschool life comes in where it's not just focused on the academics at home it's also focusing on outdoors camping we had no shortage of camping also So there's a balance that you have to maintain, and it takes a father and a mother to keep that balance. I'm not uh, throwing shade at single parents out there. I respect them. I respect how hard they have to work, provide for their for their children. But when you raise a holistically a child holistically, when you want to cover all avenues, you need different role models. You need different people to get that from. You need uh, uncles. You need a, you need a strong support system for that. You need uncles who will take you out, take you out fishing. Go on road trips, you scratch some knees, you bleed a little bit. That's also part of homeschooling. That's uh, also another stereotype of homeschooling, just that it's all just in your room. You have the time, like on a school on a normal day, on a school day, you can just leave with your family. You can go out and you can also enjoy with your family. There's nothing holding you back, but the important thing is that your parents—they need to know what they're doing, especially back in our time when there was there wasn't there wasn't a strong uh, homeschooling presence in Iloilo. There wasn't any internet. There weren't any internet groups or school groups of homeschooling that my parents could turn to when they needed questions. Uh, it was like 2005, around that era, around that era. So when they when they had questions like how do I teach my child this or how do I ingrain this, they ask their relatives, they ask their families. They reach out to a strong support system. There are different people that can help you in different ways. That's one really valuable thing that you have. It's not all just textbooks at home. It's not just all interacting with kids your age or teachers. It's also interacting with with different people from different or relatives with different different uh, yeah, lifestyles. But, um, I guess there was also a discrepancy there. Well, uh, it depends on how you are homeschooled because well, uh, for you uh, it was it was good that you had a yeah. a, a strong family and support system uh, to. Uh, Uh, give to ha- give you an options on what to do at home, right? When you're uh, when you because you have the time, but uh, yeah. So actually, uh, it's not just the homeschoolers that have strong strong support system. 
uh, any child that has a good family, a good uh, background, has a strong support system. But I think the real difference is where how much time you have for yourself, right? Because uh, when it comes to efficiency in learning, well, that's the point of, of e- either going to uh, public school or private school or just homeschooling. The difference is uh, you have your the time and you have control over your time on how you learn and how fa- fast you learn and, and what you learn and also the dangers of yeah well on on the topic of how fast you learn what you learn there are we were enrolled in in there there are these what uh umbrella schools you're enrolled in umbrella schools and they have curriculums for you so you don't really get a free reign on what you learn and how fast you learn you still need to follow a built-in curriculum you still need to finish a certain amount of you need you read a certain amount of books in this amount of time. You still need you still have grades that you you have quizzes you take, you have grades, and you follow a curriculum. So it's not free reign. It's not do whatever you want, how fast you want, however you want. You still follow a schedule. But then it's the quality of how you learn it. The methods yeah, but, of um, it being delivered well, to you. Of course, the 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 real then the real difference is your environment. Uh, when it comes to uh, children and who are who it can influence you in your lives, right? For your friends, basically, it, it's, it's it's you being isolated from uh, any possible bad peers. That's the whole point. Yeah. So um. Yes. Yeah. And it's also not. It's the whole point. Is just about bad peers. It's also about bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, Undesirable yeah, teachers. I see. You, often, you encounter that a lot of times, also. So with a, with your parent teaching you, they have their own standard for every single subject that they mm. teach, and it has to. They have to maintain that standard standard for every single okay. subject that they teach. So uh, it's really then uh, when I analyze all of what 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 is said here, uh, it all comes down to either. You go to public school and you might you have possible possibly bad peers and bad teachers, but you get to explore uh, having uh, a lot a huge friend system, you know, like network where you can yeah, but and you ex- you can explore your social life, or you can stay at home, uh, have good standards of learning and have no uh, bad peer pressure. Yeah, bad influences. Yeah, so uh, in a sense, that it's that's the gist of it. Yeah, in a sense. But uh, the the impressive thing about about homeschooling nowadays in this age of technology and having more families homeschooling around you, you can have a support system outside your family also. Like different families can organize. Combined homeschooling events where the children can also meet and learn and talk to each other. But for us back then, having no one else around homeschooling, no internet, yeah. no none of that network, it was different. But today it could, today it is. Today Yo, the so network is there, uh, and is available. It speaks a lot about how technology really forms our lives, and so uh, through the internet through 
social media uh, it's so easy to organize and uh, well ha- network and um, yeah you know like start some events for homeschool children you know yeah okay so um uh, being homeschooled yeah you have had a lot of influence from your parents and from your family and so uh, has this been the the biggest factor on why you have so much interest in guns you know yeah (laughs) Uh, well that's actually a very interesting story being at the home uh it wasn't really more about the family and the experience it was this might seem a bit bad but watching television at the same time as uh homeschooled children you weren't really allowed to watch cartoons that might sound bad at first but then instead of watching cartoons we would watch national geographic and discovery channel those were our two main go-to channels Back then, channel 18 and channel uh, 34, 36. <laughs> Back then. And then we would watch, there are these two shows that really stuck to me. One was Mythbusters. I'm sure you've, you've heard of this. And, uh, and uh, Situation Critical. These were two of my favorite series back then, TV series. Mythbusters uh, was, well, busting movie myths and stuff like that but then occasionally they would have these episodes where they would go shooting and that was so interest interesting to me as a child the same with situation critical where they would show bravery of these people in these situations and what they had to do and that just stuck to me it was it was just cool and the scientific also it wasn't wasn't like glorified violence they portrayed guns as tools and that's things you needed to use to accomplish a goal. Most of the time, it would be a, a, a an honest, honest goal. Not murder, not violence. I grew up with guns not being, not seeing them on movies. Like, I didn't grow up with, for example, uh, Coco Martin. Like, icing terrorists left and right. They grew, I grew up with them as tools. So it was interesting seeing it in that, in that area. So it, it kind of grew from there. I can't really explain. Yeah, so um, uh, when it comes, well, in, no. here in the Philippines, uh, we, have the, uh, we, don't, we don't have necessarily a second amendment like, the, like in the U.S. where, uh, well, they have... Pro- uh, a lot of them pride themselves with their right to revolt. Uh, uh, is there any similar uh, law or amendment in our constitution as well in the Philippines? Or from what I've read, the law, uh, the opinion. Uh, wait, let me get this right. Uh, don't quote me on this, but from what I've read, it said that gun ownership in the Philippines is a privilege, not a right. So this differs entirely from how the U.S. goes about it. Like in the U.S., guns, one of the main reasons that I think holds the most weight is to combat a tyrannical government. 
or to keep the government in check. And the Philippines is a privilege only 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 the rich, only those with connections have feasible access to guns. Like if you want to legally own a gun, there are so many hoops you need to jump through to own. Which is different from how the US portrays it. Like everyone should be armed. Everyone should be able to defend themselves or defend the community. But for us, it's uh, how do I say this? It's it's only for the privileged. When you look at a liberal perspective, uh, we did not necessarily need uh, guns in order to uh, make uh, make a dictator step down. Like, for example, uh, EDSA revolution, it was mostly civil disobedience that allowed the, the people to free themselves from the reins of a dictator. And so... Uh, yeah, uh, you can see that in our history, uh, there was never really a need. Yeah, yeah. The unarmed EDSA, there was never a need for it. Well, consider consider ourselves the outlier on that, if you think about it. But then again, we also had, there was a lot going on in the background. We had the yeah, military so, um, For example, uh, when down. you look at EDSA revolution, things would have ended differently if the people were fought in an armed attack against the military. They would have been massacred with... Yeah. Yeah, like for example in Texas where they say that an armed society is a more conscientious... Yeah, it's a polite society. Yeah. Because uh, things can go uh, go to shit where, uh, easily uh, when when both people uh, everybody has guns. Yeah. So. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, in that case, the uh, government policy, government uh, actions would be more careful if the people are armed, right? That's what you're saying. Well, uh, we can we can we can step back. We can go back a few steps. We can do it. We can say it this way: If the people were armed, the government would not have been as brazen as they were. It would be there would the government wouldn't take such large strides in oppressing the people if the people were armed. So it wouldn't have even gotten to that to that level if in the first yeah, place also, the government, um, government. If you get what I mean. Yeah, it's, I think it's not just. Uh... A political reason, but it's also economical, because as a third world country, it was it was never really an option for the people to have guns in the past, and especially now in in the now in the present day, uh, guns are very exp- expensive luxuries which only the rich or uh, upper middle class have, and so. Uh, there, there comes uh, oh, what you call a discrepancy, uh, an imbalance towards the lower class. Like, how would they get their their guns? You know. Well, if you compare the numbers in the U.S. compared to here, mm-hmm. let's check the value of let's say a Glock in the U.S. That's around five hundred dollars. 
around that's ballpark five hundred dollars. That's twenty five twenty five thousand roughly. Yeah. Here in the Philippines, if you buy a Glock, that's fifty thousand pesos. That's still, still, still a lot. If yeah, yes, I know. If if we had to do a the market would open. Well, it would be cheaper to get guns into the country, right? If it was right, it would be cheaper. The market would open and everything and the access would be easier. In the US, you can get an SKS for $300, $200 to $300. A Springfield 9mm for $300. That's like 15 k And seeing the amount of lower middle class people with smartphones nowadays, it's not out of the ballpark that they should be able to afford firearms. Yeah, but there's also considering the demographic where, um, for example, most gun owners would probably be men because uh, uh, in a bio- biological sense, sh- sense through their uh, aggressive nature uh, tendencies, uh, they would be th- the most probable consumers of guns, right? Yes, but the thing is, women can buy guns just as easily. They just need to act on it. They need to arm themselves. They need to take initiative. And anyway, criminals are still going to get their hands on guns. We still have armed criminals in the Philippines. So the rules don't really matter. They're just keeping guns out yeah, of but, uh, law-abiding citizens. It will greatly increase the probability of of gun gun crime, crimes with guns if everybody has that much access to yeah, weapons. The thing is, the people committing gun crimes are criminals, and criminals will still get their hands in guns. They still do. Look at the U.S. states with the strictest gun regulations. Chicago, New York. They also have the highest levels of gun crime, even though they're the strictest on guns. Texas, low gun crime. Uh, Switzerland, they have lots of guns, low gun crime. Or let's say, let's compare us to Brazil. Brazil has really, really, really strict gun regulations. And yet their level of gun crime is still, it's, it's still insanely high. So either way, criminals, they, they're still, the NPA still gets their hands in guns. Pusher, drug pushers, drug users, drug lords still get their hands in guns. Yeah, but um, for example, what about the normal uh, in my observations of, uh, for example, in the past, even the police and uh, military have to be uh, monitored during New Year's in order to prevent them from using their uh, pistols to, yeah, their service weapons to make noise in New Year's. So uh, that that just shows the discipline necessary f- to have a gun law, a, gu- a gun privi- gun privileges here in the country, because yeah, e- even if even the top people, uh, even the 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 most trained gun owners here would say that the the country is not ready for such a such a huge responsibility, you know? Well, who's supposed to decide what the country's ready for when you have <laughs> when you have these insane people running the country? They're supposed to decide what we're ready for. 
that might be a very very liberal uh, very liberal take on it but is Duterte supposed to be going to decide or is the are the people who shut down ABS-CBN supposed to be are they the ones who are to decide well, if the people are ready uh, or not being a uh, uh, a part of this democ- democracy uh, the voters get to decide or at least their the majority of voters what they want will be reflected by who voted yeah so for yeah, example for example want- the ABS-CBN <laughs> let's true. say let's say well, uh, there are a lot of people that watch ABS-CBN but there are a lot more people who yeah yeah, there are a lot more people voted. that don't want, <laughs> don't want ABS-CBN <laughs> to continue. Uh, so, yeah. uh, um, it's a democracy and we have to respect the majority. And that's a sad thing, of, uh, of course. Yep. But, but at what point do we let the majority drive the country? Yeah, but um, that's, why, uh, that's why we have... Uh, where do you think the line should be drawn uh, Party lists and representatives who, for example, those who are marginalized have bigger voting powers compared to those who have who are in the majority, right? So, yeah. So the the the, the Philippines has a very yep. strong democratic constitution and the legal the balance the checks and balances are trustworthy. So far, that's what I think. Yeah, so far. So far. <laughs> What's well, your stance on the ABS-CBN? You think it's all right? Well, there's a, there's a question of rule of law. You think, you think what they did then is right? A government has to consider the repercussions of their actions, which uh, obviously affected eleven thousand families. And so, uh, couldn't they uh, have formed uh, the policy where? Uh, it would bridge these uh, the employees of the ABS-CBN in order to uh, not uh, well have a huge impact in their lives and allow them to uh, find other jobs, find their other options when when the ABS-CBN is closed. Because uh, probably in the 2022, ABS-CBN has a huge chance of reopening, uh, getting their franchise renewal. When they get their shit together, I think. That's what I think. Well, for the following two years, good luck to them. Yeah. Good luck to those 11,000. Yeah. Families. So <laughs> I think that uh, the government should have considered uh, those 11,000, uh, you know, families. And so, yeah, uh, yeah considering work, uh, what? Now in these quarantine days, uh, we have we can see that it is really important to have a secure and stable job, right? For example, my parents, Definitely. yeah, my parents who are teachers, well, with without classes, they're still getting their their salary because hey, they're government workers. But it, when it comes yep. to independent business owners or self-employed, uh, they have to grind through uh, the pandemic and so it's really essential to find uh, the proper profession so how about you Genj what uh, what are you looking forward to in terms of your career uh, as of now looking at 
people in the industry stepping back in this new age of COVID, it seems very depressing. Yeah. There are pictures of, uh, let's just focus on one, one field for now, or I'll focus on one field. Uh, okay. For example, filmmaking. Seeing these okay. filmmakers in PPE while shooting, <laughs> it's, it's pretty disappointing. It's like if that's the future of the filmmaking, where you step on set, you're gonna hold, you're gonna lug around this camera, you're gonna shoot scenes. You need to be immersed in the film that you're making, the story that you're making, and then you're in this full lab gear. Everyone around you is in lab gear. You can't approach each other. You can't talk. You can't exchange ideas properly. It seems. Yeah, I well, can see that uh, resili- resilience is a huge and essential trait uh, in order to be uh, efficient in the workplace, right? Resilience. And so, um, uh, considering that uh, probably in the next next year, the pandemic won't happen again and everything will go back, goes back to normal. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. So, uh, ignoring the pandemic and its, its impact, uh, how would you how would you handle your future career? Well, for now, just do your, I'm going to do my best in school. I'm going to invest in learning as much as I can here at home. Learning skills, learning whatever I can to make me competitive when the market reopens eventually. Or if not, if not skills in the market, I can also work on myself and my work ethic on how on how I take care of myself, my physicality, my mental state. All of these have to be on tip top order before all before everything goes back, before everything rolls back into the gear. I need to be the best best this is a very cliche, but I need to be the best version of myself I can be before things start rolling again. So at least for now I can focus on myself until the time when things Back into order. Well, I'm still going back to school, so uh, that's not a problem. But um, the 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 real lesson I've learned out of all that I have observed is that having one job, having a nine to five job, would not be enough if you want to really succeed in life. If you want to uh, to have that dream lifestyle where uh, you get to do what you want when you want. So that's why there, it's necessary to have a business that you are uh, a passion, you're passionate about, and you are, yeah, and you are developing so that uh, when it it's ripe and it it adds value, a lot of value to society, uh, you can expect huge returns, you know, uh, out of your investment. And the the real essential thing is that you love doing that. You're not. Yeah, you're not tired of doing that every day or every week because it's what you want to do. Sometimes our nine to five jobs are like we are, we become corks in a machine, where it's not it's not really some yeah corks in a machine where it's not really something that we want to do, but we are just forced to because of financial circumstances. But then you uh, early on. 
in your 20s you have to give yourself the take risks you know you have to give yourself the chance to really prove yourself if you have the the power and uh, yeah you have the you can you have the skills to make it in the in the in the business and you know what you know what i'm saying yeah what can, what can you say about that bro then even taking into account joining accepting that your invitation to this to this uh podcast helps yeah yeah uh, uh hello um yeah 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 okay hello? just keep talking taking into account even yeah. just joining this pod accepting your invitation to this pod I won't do good speaking here failing or otherwise I get to learn from my experience learning mm-hmm. is a huge part of it even if you fail you still learn back then I probably mm-hmm. would not have accepted your invitation here else because I would have been too afraid of making myself look bad or failing but now I realize yeah. that it's just part of progress. You need to fail, you need to learn, you need to stumble. So, uh, just fail as much as you want <laughs> and learn. Just make sure you exactly. learn from yeah, your failures yeah. instead of just failing and failing. You fail, exactly, you learn, because... you make changes. Ah. Uh, yeah, because you're young, you're young, and if there's a better time to to fuck up in your life, uh, it's now. It's now or never. That's what I'm saying. Early, early you know? in your life. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, when you're like in 30s or 40s, Hello, you won't piece? have the chance it. to. I didn't catch your last line. Uh, well, what I said was that. Uh, in your twenties, uh, in your thirties or forties, uh, you don't get the chance to risk yep. anymore. You know, because you have, you might have a family or struggling in debt or trying to pay bills. But uh, do what you can while you're young. That's that's yep. the that's the thing that uh, I want to share with the whole world here. You know. Uh, are you comfortable? I'm with going. With talking about your past, really quick, I just have a, uh, a question yeah. about failures yeah, no problem, and learning. No problem. Uh, if you could say, yeah, no problem, if bro. you could say anything to uh, yourself a year ago, any advice mm-hmm. you would give yourself, your your nineteen year old self or eighteen year old self, what would it be? Any advice? Okay, so um. Well, if I want to uh, say uh, tell tell an ad- tell ad- give advice to uh, to myself, uh, let's say two years yep. back, you know, like before I entered PMA, I'd say, um, st- stop your ambitions, you know, your dreams that you think you will do, because you cannot calculate, you cannot uh, be one hundred percent sure of the future. And the important thing that you must know is that you can never really change who you are because who you are is is not not just someone who keeps changing but it's who you are is what you love and what you believe in and so uh, those two things uh, those are the the most likely not to change until you grow old and so 
uh, live according to what you love and to what you believe in because uh, when it when it comes the time that you're old and you're gonna ask yourself was it all worth it and you're gonna say yes because that was what I love and what I believed in and so uh, I will never regret that choice no matter what no matter what the outcome even if I failed even if I I succeeded much less than I could have I could have done if I had had chosen a path where I I could ensure my future but that I would not be happy because it would not be who I am you know for example in the military like if in the military you have no freedom to express yourself you have to obey orders you have to be uh, compliant and everything and you you're not supposed to ask questions and so uh, putting myself in that situation now uh, I can see that it's really w- who I am and, and it's what I love which is to be able to share ideas it's to yeah, express yeah express what I believe in and explore other people and discuss you know talk about really essential issues and topics that might that uh, if probably in a military setting I would never be allowed to do you know and so and so I really uh, happy even though I did choose to be in the PMA for two years because it's pushed me into the direction that I I'm happy with you know and so being yeah I'm, it's, it's something that I'm really happy with and I have no regrets because uh, truthfully after the first year when I completed plebehood after all that hard work and pain and suffering I asked myself was it worth it and so yeah it was worth it when it comes to molding your character and resilience and a strength but what it, it when it comes to uh, being an officer in a military for the rest of my life and it's it's going to be ensured that I will probably be promoted every three years until I become a fat general drinking in military parties every weekend well that's that's not the life that <laughs> I want and yeah I, I can uh, I can attest that I'm 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 very much an anarchist really and so yeah actually Elms I have a picture of your your old journal right now and it says here exactly what you're saying right now it says okay. here you want to retire as a captain from the <laughs> because uh, yeah that <laughs> that reflects on what you're saying right now that you don't want to go any any higher from a captain you don't want to spend it don't want to spend the rest of your grown life. So yeah, desk, yeah. That's jockey. Because, because well, the real the real problem with that is I I went to PMA because it was an a very unique experience. You know, not everyone can say that they survived this this uh, plebehood with uh, so much suffering. You know, it's really a unique thing to be able to brag about surviving that kind of uh right it's really yeah that, yeah so it's so i went there for fun you know that like, i didn't really go there for a career <laughs> yeah so so i it's like an expose where oh now i know what's happening in that academy i can yeah i'm gonna write a tell-all book 
about the PMA like. or something like that. <laughs> so are no, you? No, man. Uh, is I, there any book I, I in the PMA. works? Yeah, probably in the future. Maybe, but maybe a movie. Uh, so far, I, I I love PMA and it's molded me into someone that I'm happy with. Although I did. No, no, no. Did they tell <laughs> no, you to say this? But uh, but. Yeah, but um, I have some regrets. <laughs> for right. example, the reasons why I got uh, kicked out. But uh, I leave that. Would you change? Would you change anything? Well, I, I wouldn't have done could. those things, you know, if if I were in the right my right mind. If I were, yeah, because it's really a cultural um, effect there. Like, for example, yeah, it's a different world there, and. Uh, your values world. and your identity could change in an instant, you know. So, so, uh, so what was it like transitioning from PMA to yeah, being a, yeah, uh, uh, quote unquote it's it was really hard on on my on my on my family's part because uh, they really see they really see the how I talk, how I act, my habits where. I've developed in in the in the academy, and uh, it, it took me like four months to get out of the boot camp system. You know, like, yeah, <laughs> it took me a, a long time to get out of that the the the, the hab- habits I've developed. And but now I think I'm I'm fully free, and uh, I can do whatever I want, and that that's the most important thing. You know. Yeah. Uh. Uh, and so, how do you think a normal person would survive in if you just got a normal person from the mm-hmm. from the street and put them in the PMA? Um, how do you think they would have handled it? Uh, one thing is that it's uh, essential. It's important that you have high IQ. I'm not kidding. If if you have low IQ or average IQ, you wouldn't survive a day there because of the pressure and of your mental capacity, your physical capacity, emotional, it's really important that you have high IQ and EQ. And so if anyone that couldn't speak English uh, fluently and were put in PMA, well, I'm sorry, but you'll you'll be struggling in communication and you're not going to survive there, you know? That's, that's, yeah, so... It's really important. That's why they have tests, they have uh, qualifications, interviews, they, where they make sure that uh, you have the the skills, you have the uh, what it takes to survive. You know. Yeah. Because even even the smartest and the strongest, some don't survive there because uh, they lack the will to look forward to a, f- a better future. You know. Yeah. I've seen like the strongest, uh, the my strongest classmate. Uh, I saw him gi- give up because, uh, he, well, it's it's really a question of will, you know. And you can't you can't get will out of nowhere. It's it's developed in your family and uh, in your in how you develop yourself as a person as well, you know. Yeah, okay, is that, is that a okay question, bro? <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, so. yeah. You can move on if you want. Mm-hmm. But yeah, sure. Uh, sure. <laughs> but 
may bot pa. Uh, well, <laughs> okay. I think that's enough of the, okay. that, that that topic for now. No, I'm or are you not uncomfortable like, talking about it? I'm happy that uh, you, you directed it to me You're because right. uh, I, I don't get to talk about myself here at the show. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so... um. That's one of the things mm-hmm. that I really wanted to awesome. secure Brent about. Okay, uh, I'll, I'll uh, maybe in the next episode right. we can talk about it more. I'll share it to you if you if you want a special, a special. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, PMA special. So, um, Genj, it's been awesome talking to you, bro. And uh, I hope that you can uh, we can do Thank this you. at PMA Tell All, and you'll be the one to host then. <laughs> We should do <laughs> we should do a, a group yeah, okay. group if you if you'd like with the rest of the, the rest of the boys. That would be pretty So that's the end of it. Thanks for tuning in guys. This is your host, Elmo Ador Jr. And thank you for listening in and please subscribe. Please follow us on Facebook. Please please follow this. Please. Thanks. Thanks.